Matthew 6, verse 33, is such an important passage of Scripture to me. But let's begin reading in verse number 24 and read down to that. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. For he says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Matthew 6.33 is a very important verse of Scripture in my life. As a brand new follower of Christ, like I said 22 years ago, who was also following a call to become a preacher, who was also engaged to soon be married. A lot of things were going on at that time in my life. The Lord first revealed this passage to me and this promise, and it became to this day my life verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Throughout our life and throughout our serving the Lord together, that has been something I've come back to many, many times. In the very lean times and even in the you know, times where maybe it was good in some ways, but there was trouble on the horizon, there's always a time to come back to that promise and say, there's one thing that I've got to do, and that's to seek God. Put Him first. And, of course, I wanted to know how I could make it as a preacher and how we could make it as a family. And I tell you, friends, it's all right there in that verse. And it's not just for me, and it's for every child of God in this place this morning. Notice that there is a passion in your life. You know, Jesus says in verse number 24, you have something that you're passionate about. No man can serve two masters. For either he will, he says, hate the one and love the other, or else hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Of course, mammon being a word that specifically would refer to uh, material things, acquiring wealth and whatnot. But I know you can put anything in there because you could serve lots of things in this life. But I would say on the authority of God's word, generally speaking, people are serving one of two things. They're serving the Lord or they're serving their own self-interest. And that's what he's saying there. You're passionate about something in your life. So who do you serve today? At what altar do you lay your heart and say, for you I give myself and my time and my talent and my treasure? There may be many places you could say that and many places you could lay your heart. But friends, we ought to give our heart to the Lord today and uh, let him be the passion of our life. Jesus also tells us that there is a purpose to our life, a purpose to it. In verses 25 through 30 that we read earlier, 
Uh, he's talking about the things that we focus on. It is related to verse 24. But how about this? There are some of us who want to serve the Lord with all of our heart. We don't want to serve mammon. We're not interested in acquiring the things of the world. But we do know that we have to have things to survive in this world. And sometimes we get concerned about that. Sometimes we get anxious about that. And we say, man, how am I going to put food on the table? Or how are we going to pay this bill? Or how are we going to take care of this matter that's before us? And so in all of this, he tells us, hey, there is something going on in your life and something you're to be focused on. Your life is more than the clothes that you wear. Your life is more than the car that you drive or the things that you possess because no amount of those things can buy life or buy peace. And he wants us to know that if you gain it all, have you really gained anything? And so the purpose of your life is not to focus on those things, but it is to trust God. And so that brings us to verse 33, the priority of our life. If we really want to know where our passion should lie and what our purpose should be, then we have to start with what our priority really is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Well, that's a big word, first. That is the key to the entire text uh, this morning. The choir just sang that song. Boy, you talk about a timely song, above all. You know, he is above all, but there is uh, something in that song. There's a part that it says that, that he thought of me above all. Amen. And Jesus, when he went to Calvary, put us above himself. Today, we're to put Christ above everything else in our life. There's one way to have a better life. It's to keep God first and to make more of Him than you've ever made of Him before. And I promise you this will be the best year of your life. I guess I say it every year and I want to tell you it's true again. I believe this past year has been the best year of my life as a Christian. It wasn't always the easiest of times. It wasn't always the fattest and fullest of times. There's difficult times, but I'm going to tell you God has been good in our life. And I know you know that to be true this morning. There's one sure way that we can do it. Keep God first. Now, we talk about keeping God first. We hear about that a lot. But what does that really look like? How does that translate into day-to-day, week-to-week living? What is keeping God first really all about? Well, this morning, I just simply want to give you five real-life ways that you can keep God first in your life. There's nothing that I'm going to give you that's complicated. There's nothing here that's only for the super Christians of the crowd if there was such a person. In fact, anyone who has ever been anything for God, I promise you these are the things they practiced in their life. Are you ready? They're very simple. Number one, give God the first moments of every day. If you want God to be first in your life, this is where it begins. Give God the first moments of of every day. The psalmist said in Psalm 5 and verse 3, he said, My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Well, that's a good practice to get into. You may be here this morning, you don't have a steady morning devotional life. But I want to tell you something, that, is, uh, that needs to be on the top of your priority list today. You say, well, I missed it this morning already. That's all right. Tomorrow morning's coming. And you ought to make it a priority of your life that God's going to get the first moments of every day. You say, well, preacher, I tend to practice my devotional time in the evenings. And look, I'm not here to tell you that, you know, that this is the way or that's the way. But I will tell you that throughout the Bible, I see that great men and women of God 
found God in the mornings of their life. Abraham did it. Moses did it. Uh, Daniel did it. You find these men who sought God early in the day. I tell you, if you'll seek God first in the morning, you'll set yourself up for a better day. Now, you can't begin to talk about keeping God first in your life without talking about the first thing you do in your life every day. Uh, What a privilege and a joy it is to wake up every morning and go to that place of prayer and that place of meeting with God. You couldn't trade anything for that if you've got that place in your life. Now, everyone has a routine, right? When you get up in the morning, some of you may be the type, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not the kind that as soon as I wake up in the morning, I roll over out of the bed, hit my knees, and begin praying right there. That's not how I do it. Uh, And everybody's got a routine. I go through my morning routine, which includes making sure I get some breakfast. Some of the old great men of old said, no no Bible, no breakfast. I'm the other way. I'm no breakfast. I might as well even try to read my Bible. I won't be able to focus. I got to eat first thing in the morning. But I'm talking about go get, you get yourself up, get yourself awake, and then you find time to meet with God. Slip off into that place of prayer and devotions. You probably do it differently than I do, and your neighbor does it a little differently still. But friend, every Christian ought to give the Lord the first moments of your day. Before you run out the door to the world, before you turn on the news to see the evil of the day, before you get on Facebook and Twitter and and the Internet and all those things, you ought to have spent time with God and given Him the first moments of your day. That's what Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, He, Jesus, went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. You know, when we meet with God first thing, We've set ourselves up for a really good day. You see, this is all about worship. When I meet with God in the morning, it is so that I don't miss worshiping God today. Because I'll tell you, when you hop in the vehicle and head down the road, who knows what awaits you? Who knows what will come across your path or distract you? And and all your plans may get thrown completely out of whack. Boy, it'll be important that you took time to worship God before you even started out that day. It's a time to say, Father, I honor you and I love you and I thank you for who you are and for all that you've done in my life. These moments with God are about consecration. It's to take time to say, Lord, I'm yours today. Before I go out, before I punch the clock, before I report to the boss man, before I do anything, Lord, I'm yours first. And I'm giving myself to you all over again this morning. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. It's about an invitation. It's about taking time to say, God, I am asking you to fill my heart and prepare my way today. I know that you know everything. I know that you know the best. I know you have a great plan for me in my life today. And Lord, I want to walk with you. This is why those first moments are so important. I cannot recall the times in my life where uh, I've had the experience of encountering something during the day that the Lord helped me with that very morning before I ever knew it was coming across my path. And isn't it good when God does that? We often sing the song, I need thee every hour. Well, how can we possibly ignore the Lord in the first hour of our day if we really need Him every hour? So if we want God to be first, give God the first moments of every day. Number two, you'll want to give God the first day of every week. Now, this is the old-fashioned preaching that we need of still honoring God on the Lord's day. Amen. You say, preacher, you're preaching to the choir. Amen. I'm glad to be preaching to the choir this morning. I'm thankful you're in the house of God today. 
And that's where we ought to be. Sunday is, we say, the Lord's day. Now, how can we not give to God what is His? If we don't give God the Lord's day, we're stealing from God, aren't we? And so we ought to give God the first day of every week. If God's truly going to be first in our life, then we certainly need to give Him this day uh, in our life, the Lord's day. Now, Sunday is not the Sabbath, and we know that. The Sabbath is on a Saturday. The Lord's Day is on Sunday. Two different things. The Sabbath is and has always been Saturday. There were laws for the Sabbath day. There were plenty of them. Back in the days of the Jews in the Old Testament and even in the early New Testament, there were plenty of laws about the Sabbath. But you'll be hard-pressed to find very many rules about the Lord's Day. Why? Because how are we going to know to do right? How are we going to know to do right? Well, we have the example and the truth of the Bible to guide us. The Pharisees could lay down and say, you can only walk so far, you can only carry so much, and you can only wear certain things, and you can only go to certain places. And... But those rules aren't in the Bible, are they? Not for the New Testament church on the Lord's Day. And there's nowhere where the Bible says that I shouldn't do this, can't do that. We're guided on the Lord's Day. Now, I will tell you, and you know this, there was a time in our culture where in America the Lord's Day was honored. Boy, times have changed, haven't it? It sure has. But the Bible does give us guidance on how we're to do this. For example, the church began meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week, because that was Resurrection Day. That's how the church started using Sunday, the first day of the week. John chapter 20, verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, and it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. It was on Sunday that they came and found the Lord had risen from the tomb. And they began to worship on the Lord's day and celebrate that Jesus was alive. On that same day, that very Sunday, the risen Savior appeared to the disciples in the upper room. John chapter 20 and verse 19. The same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you'd have been there on that first Lord's day when Jesus showed up on Sunday, I guarantee you'd have wanted to come back every Sunday after that. And when I can get in a place where God is meeting with us, where God is bringing peace to my heart, where God is speaking like Brother Buddy talked about this morning, I want to be in that place. God honors the meeting of His people on the Lord's day. He has since the very beginning of the church, and He still does now. From that day forward, the disciples began to meet together the first day of the week and remind each other that the Lord was risen and celebrate the new life that they had in Christ. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. Now, that day when Paul preached, he preached all the way till midnight. I mean, they, when they come to meet, they come to meet, didn't they? Of course, I don't know what time they actually met. They might have not met till 10 p.m., but still, Paul preached at midnight. American culture, as I said, has certainly changed in many ways. used to be that Sunday really was observed as the Lord's Day. Businesses were closed. Folks weren't out mowing their yards, squeezing in around the golf, whatever else everyone does during those days. But here is something that may shock you. And I kind of already said it, but there really is no set of do's and don'ts for the Lord's Day except for this. To ask yourself as a believer, have I given God this day? Have I truly given the Lord this day? You say, well, preacher, would it be all right if on Sunday afternoon I go? My answer to that will be, have you given God His day? But, I, well, I was at church, but I'm just wondering, is it all right if I go over? Well, have you given God this day? 
You see, that's it. That's the way you gauge that. There's no place I can turn to in here and say, now on Sunday, friend, don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that. One thing I can tell you for sure that you ought to do on Sundays be in church on the Lord's day. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I believe, as Charles said, Sunday school is a place to be. Preaching is a place to be. Sunday evening service is a place to be. There's a lot of opportunity right there to give God the day and pursue a closer walk with Him. Don't let this world rob you of focusing on Him on the Lord's day. That'd be a good general guideline for Sunday. They're grabbing at you all the time, aren't they? I'm telling you, you can't wait till tomorrow morning. Monday, woo! And they're grabbing at you all day long, all week long, trying to rob from you from focusing on the Lord. This day you can keep holy and sacred for God. This day you can focus on Him, even when you're laid back in your lounge chair this afternoon meditating. You can honor God. I'll say this to you. Ask yourself, who or what have I really given this day to? And your honest answer will help make sure that you're giving it to God. So we give God the first moments of every day. We should give God the first day of the week. And if we're going to keep God first, then I would tell you we need to give God the first fruits of all of our increase. Now that's just basic Bible, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. You know, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. Well, I bet you can tell a whole lot more about a man by his bank account. I believe that's true this morning. I don't mean the bottom line, what he has or doesn't have when it's all said and done, but where and how a man or a woman spends their money, uses the things that God has blessed them with. God deserves the first, not the leftovers. As children of the one who has promised in this passage we read this morning to feed us and to clothe us and to shelter us, we shouldn't approach our money with the mentality, well, i got to pay the house payment, i got to pay the car loan, i got to pay the power bill, and then whatever i got left, I'm going to give that to God. That's giving God the leftovers. God deserves the first of everything that He blesses us with. And by the way, it's in our best interest to make that kind of investment because Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10 together says, Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns... Be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Someone said, well, I just don't have enough to give. Friend, I'm going to tell you, I don't have enough not to give. I just don't. I, I want to sow seeds of honor every time that I bring my tithe and my offering to the house of God. I want God to know that He has first place in our home and in our finances and in our desires. Someone said, well, tithing is Old Testament stuff. And I'd say, you're right. You're right. Now, we can split hairs and talk about tithing in the New Testament and all that, but I don't ever think that's even worth doing because we've got to consider just what the New Testament does teach. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, Paul says to the church, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. You see, in the church, the giving was not determined by the puny 10% rule. Now, that's not how they did it. It was, how much has God prospered you? How much has God blessed you? When you look at your life and you see what God has done for you, when you think of how Christ died for you, and the Holy Spirit convicted you, and He feels you, and the Father loves you, and He provides for you now, give based on that. See, tithing's an Old Testament thing. It sure is. We've graduated, haven't we? 
Yeah. Back then, they didn't understand all about the cross and Calvary. They didn't know that one day Jesus would come and He wouldn't deliver them as a king with a sword, but He would come and go to a cross and He would die for sin and raise on the third day and He'd wash our sin away. So we give God the first of everything. That's a way to honor God. Not uh, too many things reveal the priority of a heart and a life like where a man or a woman's money goes. That tells the story. So how do we keep God first? Give Him the first moments of every day. Give Him the first day of every week. Give Him the first fruits of every bit of increase. And then this, give God the first consideration in every decision you make. Everyone here has had to make some big decisions in life. You had some last year, and you're going to have more this year. You're going to have them. I'm going to have them. And every one of those decisions, what you find is an opportunity to once again keep God first. Every big decision, every small decision that comes your way is an opportunity to keep God first in your life. How? By always asking Him to take the lead and to show us the way. See, that's how you honor God. That's how you keep Him first. The best way to do that in every consideration, every circumstance, is to give yourself to the Lord first. Again, Paul wrote about the believers in Macedonia He told about the great need of the Christians in Jerusalem and how those Macedonian Christians, when they heard about that, they gave sacrificially to help their brethren in Christ. And Paul says of those Macedonian believers, he said, And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, that is where every decision needs to start in your life this year. Everything that you face that you have to make a choice about, where will I go to school? Should I take this job that's being offered to me? Who am I going to marry? And even those day-to-day decisions. What should I wear to this meeting today? What should I say to this person? I take you back to Proverbs chapter 3 again, where it says this, Trust in the Lord, verse 5 and 6, with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him. And boy, don't you love this part? He shall direct thy paths. (laughs) Oh, we've, we've messed it up every time we tried to take the reins and work it out, and come up with the plan. But you know, if we'll just acknowledge Him and trust Him and say, Lord, I know You love me. I know You love Your people. I know You've got the best plan. Lord, I'm just, I'm calling on You and I'm asking You to do it. He will direct our paths. In every decision we have to make, we can keep God first. You know, every decision is an opportunity for us to put God first. I've said it again and again. Over the years, we've had some big moves to make in our life. Some of you have had some big moves, you know, leaving North Carolina years ago to go to Florida, to uproot. I live around here now, and it's the first time in a long time I've lived in a place where people are in clans again. I mean, you are clannish people, you know. Your family lives down the road from you and across the pond, and you're all right there, big clan of folk, you know. You got the Lamar clan and the Oxendine clan and the Petersons, and everybody's got a clan around here. We left North Carolina and went to Florida and we left our clan behind, if you will. That's a big decision to make. You've had to make decisions like that. You know what we did? We'd take that to the Lord. I certainly didn't jump up and just do all that on my own. I remember talking to, of course, Athena about it. and I remember talking to my pastor about it. I remember talking to my dad about it. You know, I wanted some blessings on this thing. And then leaving, leaving the Rock of Ages in 2007... Join the army as a chaplain. That was a big move. Man, that was a scary move. 
But I remember that day, April in 2007, I'd been praying and praying. And I said, Lord, I need you to either take this out of my heart or tell me that it's your will to do it. And I remember that day God spoke to me and clearly said, go and do it. Well, what a day that was. And God blessed every step of the way. He always has when we honor Him by acknowledging Him and giving Him the first consideration. Motive is very important, friends. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we're to keep God first, our motive should always be to do the things that bring God the most glory. Not the thing that makes us the most money or gives us the biggest name, but that glorifies God. Let me close with this. If we're going to keep God first, give God the first place in your heart. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That pretty much is just a summary of the message this morning, isn't it? To give God first place in your heart. Abbott and Costello had a clever routine called Who's On First? Uh, we're not so much concerned about who's on first base, but there's a good question to ask. Who's on first when it comes to our life and in our heart? Who's on first place there? Seek ye first, Jesus said. What? And who? I'm to seek God above my wife. I'm to love the Lord in my heart before her. She's not to be first in my life. He is. I'm to love God above my children. I'm to love God above a career. I'm to love God above a hobby. I'm to love God above all things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you know what? I, I believe this and seen it proved out. Not only in my life, but I see it proved out in yours. When we honor God first and love Him above all else, everything else comes together, doesn't it? Now, I guarantee you and grant you there are some days you wonder if it's going to come together. You wonder if it's going to all make, come out right in the end, but if you just always just seek God first, let Him have first place in your heart, He'll always come through. He's never failed, not one time. You read the Bible lately? All that stuff people went through, some of the dumb decisions they made. Look at Abraham. My goodness, you couldn't think of a dumber decision than his wife come up to him and said, well, just take Hagar. Obviously, God needs our help. What a dumb decision. And you think, well, I guess he just ruined that one. He did have to live with that, and we're still having to deal with that mistake. But you know what? It didn't stop God. It didn't keep God from coming through. And it didn't change God fulfilling His promise in Abraham's life. That's the kind of God we serve. We ought to honor Him, giving first place in our life. When you come to the end of the church age in the Bible narrative, you come to the book of Revelation, and Jesus is sending the message to those seven churches. And under the church of Ephesus, the Bible says that He sends a letter to them, and He says, in essence, I know all the good things that you've done. All the good things that you do. I know that you take a strong stand against evil and what's wrong. But in verse 4 of chapter 2, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. First love. That's an important statement. Not that they didn't love, but that they didn't love like they once did. Now let that thought kind of settle in on your heart this morning. Jesus said to a church for whom in all other areas he looked at them and he said, I'm proud of you and I'm, I'm proud of the stand you take and I'm proud of your commitment to what's right. But I have one thing that I have against you. You've left your first love. They still loved him, but they didn't love him like they used to. Well, that's a thought that every one of us need to take a look at this morning in our life. And if we're going to keep God first, we've got to get back to that first kind of love. I can't help but think of Peter. Peter and his denials. 
But then on that, the seashore there at Galilee, Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times, three times, and Jesus questions him, and Peter comes to understand, I've got to get back to that first love. This morning, I wonder if you're sitting here, maybe you love your spouse, your children, your parents, but I'm going to tell you, you'll never love them like you should and could until you love Jesus first, until you put him in that first place in your heart. Right here, right now, let's get started with keeping God first.